Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Jim Starks, who is Vice President of Diversity Insights with Cinovate. Jim is a project director and primary author of the 2006 U.S. Diversity Markets Report, and he will share insights about the Hispanic market based on the report. Jim has more than 15 years of research experience in various fields, including building products, financial services, and public gaming. He has designed and directed many research programs for multinational companies covering the U.S. general market, the U.S. Hispanic, and other diversity and international markets. Jim received his B.A. in Regional Science from the University of Pennsylvania and his M.B.A. in Finance from St. Joseph's University, both in Philadelphia. Jim, we are thrilled to have you here with us today. Tell us about the U.S. Diversity Markets report that's coming out this year. Thanks, Elena. I'm, I'm delighted to be on the phone with you. Uh, so the, uh, the report that's coming out is the culmination of a lot of hard work. Uh, we do these reports every two years and have since about 1980. Uh, this is the uh, 13th version of the report, and uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a, a very large uh, volume that covers a lot of information about the Hispanic market with information uh, additionally about the uh, Asian and African-American markets. Uh, and it uh, really shows a, a lot of the trends, the, uh, the demographics that, that are uh, uh, our estimates of, of the market in between censuses, and it shows the, uh, a lot of the different uh, cultural and social factors that, that are impacting the, uh, the Hispanic market as well as the other diversity markets. Jim, you have been in charge of making this year's report a reality. Tell us how you go about gathering the data and putting it all together in an easy-to-follow-and-use format? Well, there are two basic pieces to the report. Uh, one is our geodemographic modeling. Uh, we spend a lot of time actually looking at uh, demographics that they exist in the marketplace, primarily census data, uh, the 2000 decennial census, as well as estimates and projections, and the uh, American Community Survey for 2004. Uh, we take all of that information, uh, we adjust it based on things we know and, and feel to be true in the marketplace, uh, and then present our estimate of population by age, by gender, by various geographies uh, up to 2006, and then proceed to project out into 2020, and in some cases even out to 2050. That's part one of the report. Part two of the report is a very large research project that we do. This year it had almost 4,000 respondents in it. Uh, covering the entire United States, uh, covering African Americans and Hispanics, as well as uh, as well as the general market, that allows us to make a lot of comparisons between the groups, so that we can actually see where some of the big differences are, covering topics that range everywhere from uh, likelihood to to purchase a, a digital camera up through uh, just housing and education. So, in terms of those, you said there were four thousand responses. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, close to. Uh, 3,896 to be precise. <laughs> okay. How do you go about getting these responses? So all of the interviews that we conducted were done on the telephone, uh, and they come from two sources. We have at Cinovate a very large uh, panel. Uh, we have actually several panels, uh, but we have a number of people who have agreed to do surveys with us. Some of the respondents come from that. 
Other respondents come from lists that we've purchased, uh, primarily uh, surname lists for Hispanics, but uh, you know there, there are other lists that, that we've used as well. Uh, and we, we call people and ask them to agree to do a 20 to 25 minute interview, and most people are happy to uh, happy to comply. Is there any kind of financial reward for their participation? No, we don't. Uh, we we feel that in general, uh, you know, offering a financial reward specifically for completing a survey may interfere with the way people actually respond to the survey. Uh, they may, in fact, be more positive than we might expect otherwise, uh, because their expectations are that they're being paid to do something for us. We do actually compensate our panelists, but not particularly in relationship to their answers on surveys. And are the surveys conducted in English and other languages or exclusively in English? No, we do English and Spanish. Uh, all of our interviewers are, are fully bilingual, uh, and the uh, surveys are conducted uh, in English or Spanish as the survey uh, respondent prefers. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the script is actually done in both languages, and so it's very easy for the interviewer to follow and very easy for them to actually uh, make commentary, uh, no open-end, those types of things in English or Spanish. So that the respondent has the choice of language because your interviewers are bilingual. Uh, absolutely. In fact, one of the first questions we ask them is, do you prefer to conduct this interview in, in Spanish or English? What percentage of the respondents would you say are Hispanic? Uh, of the respondents, about half of the 4,000 uh, responses that, that we actually collected were Hispanic, uh, and they're self-identified Hispanic. Uh, so we, we don't actually check on them in any way, but that's, that's what they tell us. And uh, uh, about two-thirds of them actually do complete the survey in Spanish. And the survey is done by phone, so this is, this is a verbal survey process. Is that right? It is correct. It's interviewer-prompted, uh, so the interviewer's got control of the survey. Excellent. So tell us what you have discovered. Oh, there's, there's so much in this, this study. It's hard to know where to start. I think probably one of the most interesting findings that, that we've seen this year has been a, uh, a change in the trend on language dominance. And it's been a, we've seen this, this kind of steady rise of Spanish dominance over the uh, past several years through our previous report, uh, and we've actually, which has been a change from a previous decline in Spanish dominance. And now in 2006, again, we're seeing uh, a rise in bilingualism uh, or people who speak both languages feel comfortable in both languages uh, over Spanish dominance. Uh, and that's been one of the biggest, uh, most interesting uh, trends that, that we've seen out of this report. There's, there are tons and tons of things that we can talk about in here, though. Have you drawn any conclusions? That's, that's really interesting information that I think would be useful for almost anyone trying to market to Hispanics in the States. Have you reached any conclusions as to why that is? Sure. Uh, so, well, we have some hypotheses about why that may be the case, and, and they seem to be very reasonable. Uh, one hypothesis is that we are actually seeing maybe a, a small decrease in the number of uh, Hispanic immigrants coming into the country, and uh, relative to the, the volume we've seen in past years. That's been borne out in other research studies that we've uh, seen, uh, other people who take great care in, in counting um, you know, immigration uh, coming in and out of Latin America. Uh, and there has seemed to have been this trend downward over the past several years, although the numbers are still fairly high. That, that's one hypothesis. So, of course, as you have you know, less than 18-year-old U.S.-born, English-speaking Hispanics coming into the 
study, you've got fewer uh, foreign-born recent immigrants who would be Spanish dominant um, coming into the study to, to counterbalance them. So that, that's one idea. Uh, another idea is that uh, that we're not really seeing a change in language usage at all, but we're seeing a change in the way people think about their language. There has been a trend uh, in, in the past few years to think that bilingualism is cool. There are a bunch of different cultural markers for that, things that we're seeing in the marketplace, uh, everything from Spanglish radio. Uh, here in Miami, we have a station called Mega 94.9 that uh, anybody I know who speaks English can also listen to, uh, if they, even if they don't understand exactly all of what's going on. Uh, we've got uh, you know, CTV, which is an uh, English-language television station that, uh, uh, that is made specifically for Hispanics. Uh, we've got even children's programming uh, that is extolling the virtues of bilingualism, such as Maya and Miguel. I think there's another one called Dragon's Tale. There's, there are uh, tons of these different cultural markers, in addition to which, are in our own research, uh, especially among young people, we've heard people say things like, you know, speaking both languages is cool that there's this, this increased interest in being able to be bilingual. And, of course, finally, there is a very heavy economic incentive uh, for being able to speak both languages. One, for being able to speak English, we know that there's a big increase in, in uh, income for people who can speak English. Uh, but there's also you know, increased opportunities for people who can speak Spanish. It's more and more required in this economy. So uh, bilingualism is, is bound to happen, and you know, there are a bunch of different reasons we may be seeing it, but I'm not surprised at all. Do you think that by the time the next report is released, you will see similar results? Do you anticipate what the trend is going to be, in other words? Yeah, I, I believe so. I, we are always going to have in the Hispanic market, there will always be Spanish dominance on one end. I, I don't foresee an end to immigration from Latin America. It's, the, the economic incentives are just way too strong for, for that to tail off significantly, even though you might see some up downs in those numbers. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there will be, you know, as you get down into the second and third generation Hispanic, uh, there will be people who, you know, are English dominant and may speak a few words or, uh, of Spanish or only have, you know, familial Spanish or celebratory Spanish. Uh, but I think the, the big trend is that people, Spanish speakers, uh, are going to learn English and even through the generations, I think you'll find that people are going to retain, uh, you know, some core language. Uh, and so there will be a functional bilingualism. That's something that we should see moving forward. Now, from year to year, it's sometimes hard to see those trends because the movement tends, seems to be very small. But I, over the course of a long period of time, I'd be surprised in 10 years if you don't see that number growing significantly. Let's talk about the big picture. Let's, let's use a big paintbrush for a minute. What are the numbers? Where are the pockets? What are the trends? So, well, there's... A lot of, lot of questions there, and it sounded like two. That right now we're looking at about 45 million uh, Hispanics in the United States, uh, which is, is a little bit higher than we see in census numbers, but uh, we feel that our numbers are more accurate based on what we see in the marketplace. Uh, so the numbers are growing, and they have grown over the past few years. Uh, and, in fact, uh, Hispanics right now, uh, you know, up between 2000 and 2006, have been growing at about 4% a year. Uh, it's a, a fairly... Uh, high growth rate, especially when compared to 1.3 percent for the just the general market or the total population of the United States. So there, there's a, a very high population growth rate. Right now, Hispanics make up about 15 percent, 14.7, 15 percent of the total U.S. population, and 
that is expected to grow. I mean, if you've got a net population growth rate of about 4% a year versus 1.3%, that share will have to grow. So there, there's very heavy growth in the Hispanic marketplace. It's the, probably the largest growing minority segment of the population uh, of any size. Uh, I think that, that's trend number one. And we don't really expect that to, to fall off significantly, at least in the near-term future. That's really driven by two factors. The, the first factor is is the birth rate. The birth rate among Hispanics, while declining on average in the United States, is declining less rapidly than the the, uh, the general market uh, a population uh, general market birth rate. And as a result, uh, you know we're seeing that that increase. Now, the birth rate itself doesn't actually explain all of the increase in the Hispanic population because we are seeing immigration. And and as I said you know, before. Uh, we don't really see at Finnovate that immigration is going to tail off significantly from Latin America. The economics are just way too strong. The incentives, the disparities between uh, the GDP per capita in the United States, GDP per capita in about any country in Latin America are, are, are enormous. And given that the cost to, to come to the United States and enter the United States uh, is, is fairly low, we expect that that is going to stay high. We don't know what will happen on a regulatory basis, uh, on a legal basis, but we do expect that, regardless, immigration will be there. You'd also asked about uh, where they're where they're going. I, I think that's a, another very interesting trend that that we're noting. And we're not the only ones to note it. But uh, in the past, as the Spanish came into the United States, they tended to focus on certain key what we called entry points, uh, and they would be New York, Miami, Los Angeles, uh, to some extent, you know, Houston and Chicago, which are the, the largest Hispanic communities in the United States right now. One of the trends that we're seeing right now is a, not so much a shift away from there, but an addition of, of new areas for Hispanics to actually go to. And they're, instead of maybe coming from Mexico and going straight to, uh, let's say, Houston or Chicago, people are coming in and going to states like North Carolina, which is the state that had the single largest growth rate in the Hispanic population between 1990 and 2000. And we expect that that will continue uh, because there are economic incentives for people to go there. There, there are jobs. There are people that are waiting for jobs there, and uh, that they're, they're going to uh, going to take those positions. Jim, thank you for joining us, and to our audience, thank you for listening to today's interview with Jim Starks, Vice President of Diversity Insights with Cinovate, brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Thank you, Elena. It was my pleasure.